Thank you, my brother, and thank you, church, for walking in the Holy Ghost, people getting ministered to all over the house. How would you like to be the one responsible for printing a program for a Pentecostal apostolic Holy Ghost service? I mean, some folks can print what song's next and what's going to happen next because nothing ever happens besides that. But how would you like to do that for a Pentecostal service? Sing the first song, sing the second song. Sister so-and-so, go grab her friend, start crying, walk up the center aisle, whole youth group come to the altar. That's the kind of stuff you'd have to put in if you were going to do a Pentecostal. I'm so glad to be a part of a church where Jesus can bless and minister. Power of God can flow. Amen. Honored to be with friends. Uh, just start calling names I could get in trouble but the Case family we connected way back in Colorado and love them so much and then Blake I sat by one of your employees and kept them straight this morning so good to see you Amen. they may have kept me straight uh, I'm in a revival on weekends in a one of those Louisiana communities that's not a large community but a great church and y'all kind of get that I think in Wallace Ridge I love Louisiana. Man, you can go driving down some country roads and all of a sudden it's a big parking lot. Pickup trucks outnumber cars three to one and you walk in and it's just throw down Holy Ghost Church. Man, I just love it. But we in revival. We're in revival in Oil City. And I just want to confirm, Not, I don't feel like just pastor, but on my end as well, I, I feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be tonight. I'm in a revival that's gone the last three weekends and we're already scheduled to go the next three weekends and it's just been God but they had elder Dr. James Hughes scheduled to be in this weekend and the pastor said I really feel just let's take this weekend off of the revival brother Hughes will come in and do his thing he said and then we'll kick the revival back in next Sunday and I just like well Lord You'll take care of if I'm supposed to preach anywhere February the 4th and look down at my phone and it was Pastor Stevenson said, can you come February 4th? I couldn't have come last week. I can't come next week, but I could be here tonight. Amen. And I feel like it's right where we're supposed to be. Amen. And I, with all that God's done in this service, thank you for being sensitive and following the Holy Ghost. All that God has done in this service I wouldn't try to preach if I didn't feel like I had a word. But I feel like from the minute Pastor reached out, God put something so strong in my spirit. I'll do my best not to be long, although I'm scared to say that because sometimes when I do, I'm not short. But don't get worried. The Mexican restaurant will still be open. And I'm going to do my best just to get it done, share what God has put on my heart. Let's go to Daniel chapter 4, and I, I do feel, I know you have to be careful or sometimes it can be overstated, but I don't feel like I'm just preaching a sermon tonight. But I feel I bring to you, to this church, to this community, just a word, for, a word from the Lord that I'm going to share. Daniel chapter 4, verse 10. Honored to be here. Thank you. Please share. I will, but share thanks with your pastor for the privilege of filling this pulpit. Daniel 4 verse 10, the king Nebuchadnezzar, powerful, probably the most powerful man worldwide in that day, had a dream, had a vision, and he shared it. And then we're going to read a couple verses where Daniel 
gave him the interpretation. Not trying to preach from this story, but I'm going to borrow from something shared in this story. The king said, thus were the visions of mine head in my bed. I saw, behold, a tree. So he's seeing this, a tree in the midst of the earth. The height was great. The tree grew, it was strong. The height thereof reached into the heaven and unto heaven and the sight thereof to the end of the earth. It was a large tree. The leaves were fair, the fruit much. In it was meat for all. The beasts of the field took shadow under it. Fowls of heaven dwelt in the bows or the branches thereof. All flesh was fed of it. It's a vision, imagery. It's a great tree. I saw these visions and a watcher and a holy one came down from heaven. Cried aloud and said, Hew or cut down the tree, cut off the branches, shake off the leaves, scatter the fruit. Let the beast get away from under it fowls from his branches. I want you to notice verse 15. Nevertheless, leave the stump of his roots in the earth. Even with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field, let it, this stump, be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts the grass of the earth. Went on to say, just for time I won't read it all, but it said for seven seven times or study that seven years let that happen Daniel 4 verse 23 just a few verses down Daniel's now talking back to the king he said king you saw a watcher and a holy one come down from heaven and they said cut the tree down and destroy it yet leave the stump of the roots in the earth even with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field let it be wet we read that in the let his portion with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over him. Verse 26, whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots, thy kingdom will be sure to thee, and after that thou shalt have not after that thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule. The king was going to have his he was going to have his kingdom taken away from him personally and for seven years. He would be like a wild man. But then Daniel said, after seven years, it will be restored. But I just want us to focus on the thoughts of a stump with some roots in the ground that didn't look like much was happening. But the prophet said in seven years, it's going to be restored because there's some roots here that's just got enough life in them and got something left in them that I can restore the tree back to you. And I want to minister tonight. Amen. Just give God a hand clap of praise. I want to minister tonight on the subject, revival from the roots. Would you say that with me? Revival from the roots. God bless you. you may be seated. God, your spirit's been so active in this room. And I feel the unction even as I stand in this pulpit tonight, the authority, the dominion of the Holy Ghost. So God, I pray your word on us, your word and your spirit. There are no powerful when those two combine. Nothing is more powerful in this earth than your word forever settled and your spirit in, in this earth. Amen. So revival from the roots. The implication is this. As long as there's some roots in the ground, it may not look like it, but there can be life in those roots. And in this particular case, it would be dormant for seven years, but after that, 
restored. Let me say it this way. As long as there are roots, there is opportunity for future new life and growth. I have a few trees and plants, a few potted plants. I don't like those as much because you have to water them in the summertime heat almost every day. Plant them in the ground. I don't have to do it quite as often running around the yard with a water hose because I hadn't hooked it all up on an automatic system. But I, I had a, a, a tree a couple years ago. I thought for sure it was gone. It didn't come cheap. My favorite tree, the tree for the yard, is the Japanese maple. And then this one was a, a crimson weeping maple. I can't remember, whatever. But it was one that drooped down. And I thought it was gone forever. And I thought, it's dead. But I left it in the ground and something happened next spring that a tree that, that seemed dead for the whole last part of the summer and then into the fall must have had a little bit of life left in the roots because when the spring happened, buds began to bloom and the tree that I thought was dead was still alive. I take a few minutes on this Sunday night and say I'm thankful for my roots, and again, I'm, I'm going to try to move quickly and honor your time because, again, God has already moved. But anybody besides me just sense there's, there's something that God wants to say and do in this service. Thank you. Thank you so much. I thank God for my roots. I thank God for my legacy and my heritage. I, 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 I'm, I'm, if you want to say privileged or blessed to have been a part of Pentecost on both sides, my mom and my dad's family, I'm fourth generation Pentecost. My kids are fifth generation. I had a great grandparent on each side that was spirit filled that served the Lord. All four of my grandparents served God, apostolic, Jesus name, Holy Ghost stories on both sides. I, I, I thank God for every first generation. That means people are getting converted. But my story was it was, I thank God for my roots. My mom and dad lived for God. I, I thank God for, I, I didn't just have grandparents that lived for God. They, they had unique stories and it's part of my root system. My grandma on my dad's side, Lucy Albritton, they, they told stories how at 17 years old, I have the Gibson guitar at home, and one day I'm going to get it restored. But it's, it's a, I say one day, I'm 58. I might need to get going on that. But I have it in the closet. It's an old, old Gibson guitar, and I had it researched, and it was one of the common ones, so it's not worth what I was hoping it could be worth, but it's still worth it millions to me. But at 17 years old, she knew how to play that acoustic guitar and sang and an evangelist and wife came through town that was doing tent revivals and they needed a praise leader and my grandma got permission from her family to travel with the evangelist and his wife and she became the praise team play, playing that Gibson guitar leading worship at tent revivals that was that was on my on my mom's side I mean my dad's side on my mom's side on my mom's side it was, it was some interesting stuff went on in that side of the family. They lived down Ponchatoula, Hammond, Louisiana. And there's a river down there called the Tangipahoe River, and there was a swamp connected from about Hammond, Louisiana, all the way down to the New Orleans area. You go through what now is called Maripaw, and, and in that area, my grandpa on my mom's side was a trapper. 
his dad and mom were part of what's called bloody Tanshipahoa. You want to go research it sometimes. They, they, they say there were more murders and more muggings and more, you, you name it, than, than the whole Hatfield and McCoy feud that was recorded for years. It was, it was a rough part of the country, moonshine running, brawling. And my grandfather was a trapper even during leading into the depression years. He, he would trap in that Tanshipahoa swamp, leave home in a little paddle boat with enough food to stay in the swamps for a couple weeks, get all the furs he could get, bring them back, sell them in New Orleans, and it would be shipped to Europe, and he still made his family a living even during the Depression years. That's what he did. They had about 120 acres that they raised crops on. I, as a kid, still remembering that you, you ate eggs, it was because the chickens were, were around the house. You ate ham, it was because they, they got rid of one of the pigs back out in the pig pen. It was, it was they were down to 40 acres when I was a kid, but that, that was my grandparents on my mom's side, and my grandfather had a spot on his back where he would always get my mom to rub, and it was bullet fragments stuck in his back. They were brawlers, and they were fighters, and they were rough. My grandpa, I'm, not, I, I'm just, I'm, I mean, I'll brag on my papa for a little bit, but he, he wore the tank top t-shirt and no socks at, when we were there for Christmas, and he, I remember it being, it was below freezing, and the dudes out there chopping firewood, splitting firewood for the fireplace, barefooted, with a tank top on, out in the country. They tell of him that he got mad one time because some animal on a, a riverbank had the, the old trap, the claw trap, and it, it, the animal had slid the trap down into the water, and he thought the trap was already sprung, and he reaches his arm off the side of the boat in the cold water, and the trap gets his hand and cuts his hand, and he goes back to the camp, and he's sewing up his cut with a needle and thread and got mad because the needle broke. That's where I get my toughness from. Don't mess with me after church. 42 years old, rough. That's so all they knew was things of the world. And a preacher knocked on his door, Hammond, Louisiana, and said, Milton Blunt, my name is Jesse Lane, and I'd like to ask your permission to have a revival in your front yard. Apostolic Jesus name, Holy Ghost preacher, knocked on my papa's front door. I've sat on that porch with my grandpa before he died, and he'd say right over there under that tree. He said, I don't know why. He'd always start crying. He'd say, I don't know why. I said, yes, but I did. I guess it was God. And right over there under that tree, he cut some, I call it slabs, just, just logs from a tree, and stood those short logs up and put two by twelves on them and made several pews for people to sit on, took a longer log, stood it up, and put something on it, and it was a pulpit, strung some lights up in the trees, and Jesse Lane had one of those things on top of his car that was like a megaphone, and he would ride around the community and say, revival, tonight at seven o'clock, Milton Blunt's front yard, and the whole community was like, revival, where? Not a pretty church, Milton Blunt's front yard. Ah, oh, my grandpa would always cry, get tenderhearted. I don't know why, but I just told them they could. The last two times I was a teenager, I knew this story was good. I brought a tape recorder, but he was already going downhill, and he said, Greg, I just, I'll tell the whole story again later, and I didn't get it on tape, but I almost did. When they had the revival started, 
People thought they were crazy. My papa didn't go to the church services, but he sat on the porch and watched them some. Then he would walk what he called the headlands. I'm not a farmer, but they had the crop fields and then that's little strip. I think I'm saying it right. The little strip of land between the rows and the woods, just that little strip of land that surround. He would walk the edges of the fields by the woods while they were singing and while they were praying and he was listening and he was just a walking or he would sit on the porch. And sometimes he said that he was the defender when guys from the community thought it would be funny to throw eggs or tomatoes at the group of people having church in the front yard and he protected and he also would always cry when he got to this point because he said Greg I thought those people were crazy. He said, I thought that preacher in that pulpit shaking his handkerchief, I thought he had some kind of dust on his handkerchief sprinkling on those people. He said, I thought they were crazy and he would break down. And could you put the picture of Momo and Papa on the screen if you if it worked? It's just a picture. I took a snapshot from a picture. I think they may have it. But there they are right there and there they are on their property in Hammond, Louisiana. And he said, I thought they were crazy. He said, the first four people that got the Holy Ghost I thought they were crazy he said but when the fifth one got the Holy Ghost he said that was your momo he said and I knew if she got it it was real and it wasn't crazy it was real he said the fifth one that got it was your momo and that's my roots right there they didn't get to come to church at a pretty church amen they didn't get to come to church in some beautiful little cathedral or house of God they, they got the Holy Ghost she got the Holy Ghost in their front yard that's about the biggest smile you ever gonna see him get right there 11 kids 8 girls 3 boys yeah 120 acres needed a lot of help getting all them strawberries so Pawpaw started studying this book cause he said if your momo got it it was real the preacher's name was Jesse Lane. The other man that started talking to my papa's name was Doc Robertson. I just always thought that sounded like it should have been three guys in a movie. I mean, listen, Milton Blunt, Jesse Lane, and Doc Robertson. It just sounds like old John Wayne or something, you know. And Papa invited Jesse Lane and Doc Robertson to his trapping camp that you could only get there by boat. You're going in the swamps. They built it on piers back in a little camp back there where he could stay for two or three weeks while he was trapping. And he brought them to his trapping camp. And they got to explaining to him Jesus' name baptism and what the Holy Ghost was. And he told me they went to bed one night and he was looking over scriptures by his lantern. And he said all of a sudden he saw it. I gotta be baptized in Jesus' name. And he woke them up. And with one lantern on a stick over one of them shoulder he said they began to walk out in the swamp water and it was kind of cold and he said there was a thin thin layer of ice on the swamp water you get baptized in a pretty baptistry say thank you Jesus amen they didn't have a pretty baptistry he said they'd take a step and they'd slap the top of that water and break that little thin layer of ice till they got deep enough where they could baptize him it may have been swamp water but it was in Jesus name and he was filled with the baptism I mean he was he was covered his sins were covered as he was baptized in the name of Jesus. 
but he didn't get the Holy Ghost immediately. And a few days later, he was so desperate. He said, they call us holy rollers. He said, that's what I was doing on a creek bank when I got the Holy Ghost. Amen. He said, I was rolling back and forth on the creek bank. And he said, you want to know what else? He said, I rolled over. Must have been a, what is it, like the ground wasp or the beehive. And he said, they got stung, but I was the one rolling on top of the nest and didn't get stung while I was getting baptized with the Holy Ghost. That's my roots. He never was called to preach. But in my years, going to their house for Christmas was so fun. They had 11 kids, and then you can imagine how many grandkids. And we, some of them would go all day Christmas, and some would show up about lunchtime. But boy, it was just a bunch of us. But the family Bible was always open where he read it every morning on the dining room table. People from that community with cancers and sicknesses that doctors couldn't help them, they'd show up on Papa Blunt's front door because they knew that man's a man of faith. And if he prays for you, something's going to happen. And people in that region got healed that never came to a Pentecostal church, but they came to the doorstep of a man of God who had faith. Twice he was at death's door, and he was old school. He told his family, I know doctors are good, but I'm going to trust my doctor. And twice at death's door, God healed him. That's in my root system. My parents live for God. My mom and dad are both going on to be with the Lord. I, I've told people through the years, I had such a strong root system in college. I tried to backslide and I tried for three or four months and I couldn't. There was too many prayers. There was too much Holy Ghost. There was too much anointing. I tried to crawl out to church and I couldn't. It was too hard. I had too many roots pulling me back. I had too much in the Holy Ghost in those previous generations that wouldn't let me go. But what about when the following generations do not grow from their root system? What about when you've done all that you can do and a kid or grandkid or family members walk away from God even though they had the same root structure that, that maybe I did or you gave them all that, that, that you could? What, what about that? I um, had acquaintances several years ago, several years back, Walked away from truth, walked away from God. Grandparents on both sides in the ministry serving Jesus, but they walked away from God, walked away from truth. But they came to a Louisiana camp meeting and made the statement, I'm so thankful for my roots. And it hit me way back, probably 10 or 15 years ago, it hit me. When I talk about my roots, I want to be able to do this. I want to be able to look down the tree and say, that's my roots right there. I don't want to have to go visit and say, this was Momo and Pawpaw's tree. This was my parents' tree. This is where my parents raised me to live for God. Oh, I'm thankful for my roots. I want to be able to look down the same tree and I want to say God thank you for this apostolic truth thank you for being raised amen by family, pastors, leaders teachers, grandparents parents. thank you for being raised in the truth but I had a situation that happened last summer where God spoke 
the seed of what's become what I'm preaching to you tonight. Just stayed there for months until just a few weeks ago, God just began. But I had an acquaintance. I see some of your faces at the youth camps. That's a lot of our roots, is home church and youth camp. And I had a, an acquaintance who came again. Don't darken the apostolic church doors anymore. Don't visit. Don't, don't. That's not their life. But their boy wanted to play ball at youth camp. Family, generations, now not serving God in truth. But the next generation, I want to go play ball at camp. I heard it's fun. And it just happened on one of, the, I think it was the last night, saw my acquaintance walking around and I said, man, where you been? I thought you were coming out earlier. He said, I've been looking for my boy. He said, I looked all over. He said, I looked everywhere. Because those of you that go to the camp now, you know, we have night church at, what, 3 p.m. So y'all can play ball. That's smart. That's so smart. When I was a camper, we had to play ball at 2 o'clock, and we played till 5, and we ain't had no air conditioning. We ain't had no, I mean, it wasn't at night. But that's smart. They should have done that a long time ago. Church gets over, what, 4 or 5 o'clock. They play ball all night. He said, I looked everywhere. He said, I finally went in the tabernacle. He said, there was about 50 or 100 of them left up there. And he said, my boy was up there spinning like a helicopter. Just out in the Holy Ghost. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, I won't go far past a root system. I won't go far past the root system. I'm going to find that life. I'm going to find that Holy Ghost. I'm going to find that truth. And even if one generation may seem to bypass it, they still got life in them. But God may look to the next one or the next one. I'm going to preach restoration. I'm going to preach revival. I believe God's going to bring backsliders back home. I believe God's going to bring our kids back home. I believe God's going to bring family. I believe there's going to be a revival that comes to our churches. God's still going to do new things. There's still going to be first generation new converts. There always needs to be. But I believe there's root systems in these apostolic churches and in these apostolic homes and families. There's root systems where God's going to be able to say it may just look like all it is is a stomp left. It may look like there's just some roots in the ground but I'm going to let my spirit blow over those roots and I'm going to bring revival. So, I have some friends, assistant pastors in one of our Louisiana churches. I called him a week or two ago, and I said, tell me, your, tell me your story again. I go preach at their church, and me and him, one of those friends, you know, you call once every month or two, and we just chat a little bit and keep up, even though we don't see each other too often. Just a good guy, good, 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 good man and lady serving the Lord. Just love them, love their spirit, love their heart. I said, tell me, tell me your, your story again. He told me a story. He said, I was having some struggles in my life. They lived in the Jonesboro Hodge area of our state. If you know that, we call it Jonesboro Hodge half the time. They, they, years ago, they were a couple miles apart, but kind of grown together, but it's two communities. That's kind of one community. And 
they were living in that area and he was having some struggles. It was just a little over 10 years ago. He was having some struggles. And his wife, he didn't go to church anywhere, but she started hungering for God. And so she, he didn't know it, unbeknownst to him. She had a prayer cloth under his mattress or under his pillow for a year and a half. He would work through the challenges he was facing and that they would find God and what God had for him. And so over that journey, somewhere in there, they started visiting churches in Jonesboro Hodge, Louisiana. But he said their motto was, if we go to that church and feels like there should be more, we ain't going back. I thought about that, man. I hope if they visit a Pentecostal church on the first service, it's a good one, not a dead one, because they were only giving them one shot. He said, we'd go, and he said, every church we went to, he said, we, we would say, ah, there's got to be more than what we felt at that church. He said, that go for a while. They maybe wouldn't go a couple weeks. and said, well, let's try this one, and they'd go visit another one. And, and finally, she had said, well, or one of them had said, well, maybe we need to drive to, drive to Winfield and go to that church called the Family Church. Some of y'all may be familiar with that. Over. Brother Sister Hines, just a great apostolic church. He said, maybe we need to go. Like, I think it was a 30-minute drive. I'm like, no, I ain't driving 30 minutes. Finally, one Sunday, Brother Nathan woke up and said, honey, we're going to Winfield. We're going to that Pentecostal church. Her grandma had taken her as a kid. She visited Pentecostal church a time or two, but had never been back again. It was just some trip with her grandma years earlier. Yeah, we're going to that Pentecostal church. Months of church searching. First service. He said, just two songs in, like tonight, just singing the glory down. And two songs in, tongues interpretation went forth and said, my child, my child, do not be afraid. Take my hand. Do not be afraid. And Nathan turned to his wife, Holly, and said, I'm that child, and I'm taking his hand, and we'll come to this church, and God is going to lead us on the second song ever in a Pentecostal church. She got the Holy Ghost quick. He didn't. He started laughing. He said, I wore out the saints of the Most High. Trying to get the Holy Ghost. Several months later, he got the Holy Ghost. If you have their picture, you can put them on the screen. Some of you have probably seen them at the campgrounds driving around on their golf cart just a-grinning. They love camp. They love the things of God. They now are the assistant pastor of the family church in Winfield, Louisiana. They got converted. I, I just told you their conversion story. And they were in church for two years, they became servants, and now they've become leaders. They're used in ministry, and they're just on the journey for two whole years. And somebody visited their church that knew something somehow a little bit and started asking questions of Nathan, two years he's been in church, started asking questions, and he said, Greg, it went fast. 
He said, next thing I know, when I get home from lunch, I'm getting a phone call from a relative of his great-great-grandpa's brother in Oklahoma saying, da, 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 da. And it all happened in one afternoon that he found out after being Pentecostal, Jesus' name, apostolic for two years. That is great, 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 great grandpa had gotten the Holy Ghost in 1913 in Texas. Got called to preach Jesus' name, Holy Ghost, baptism, converted. Got called to preach in 1915, and his great-great-grandpa pastored Jesus' name, Holy Ghost Church in Texas, and then pastored Jesus' name, Holy Ghost Church in Florida, and then God called him to Louisiana, and he reached into a couple of small communities, and then he felt God call him you can't make this stuff up. To Hodge, Louisiana. His great-great-grandpa tried to start a church in Hodge, Louisiana, where Nathan and Holly were living when they started church searching. And that man couldn't get property made available to him in Hodge, so back then Jonesboro was too miles further, I think, south. And, and so he got property made available to him in, in Jonesboro, and they erected a tent and began having services, and God began to move, and things began to happen. And finally, a piece of land came available back in Hodge, and they set up a tent. And in 1930, the evangelist and his wife came, and over 80 people in 1930 got baptized in Jesus' name, and 65 people got filled with the Holy Ghost in 1930 and in 1932 they built a nice decent whatever for that day church building and became the largest Sunday school in Jonesboro Hodge in 1930 he keeps pastoring there fast forward to 1945 he is a leader in the from 1930 to 1930-45 he's a leader in what's called the Pentecostal Assemblies of the World Organization. And he's a leader. He's he's regional leader, and he's helping and doing stuff. And in 1945, two Pentecostal organizations merge, and those two Pentecostal organizations become the United Pentecostal Church. And in 1946, the United Pentecostal Church of Louisiana elected its first district superintendent, who is this man's great, great, grandfather, Brother S.L. Wise. And that man served. His picture is up there. You go to the tabernacle next time. Go by the doors going in the office. You'll see Brother Weber, Brother Cox, Brother Tinney, Brother Weeks, and the superintendent, who was the first superintendent of the district that you and I are in. That, that was part of all of that. For eight years was this man's great, great grandfather. Served that for eight years. And then his health caused him to resign. He traveled and ministered for the next, I think, four, five, six years. And the last four of years, life was homebound and sounded bedridden. But they said they could hear that man praying hours every day. He prayed hours every day in the last four years of his life. He was 60-ish, 62 when he became superintendent. So now he's in his 70s, bedridden, homebound. And he reads his Bible through seven and a half times. And they say, anytime you go to that church, you heard that man. And to his house, you heard that man praying or he was 
was reading his Bible, amen, and somehow his children, amen, I'm not here to judge, but his children backslid. They did not keep living for God, and so Nathan's great grandmother, amen, his, so his great great grandfather was superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church. His great grandmother, if I say it right, didn't serve the Lord. His grandmother didn't serve the Lord. And his father wasn't served the Lord in the apostolic truth. So much so that he could be in church in a Jesus name church for two years and not one person could come to him and say, did you, he didn't have a clue. Not one person in the family could come and say, that's how far that family had drifted from those roots. That's how far that family was away from, amen, the things that had happened in their history. Are you telling me it's an accident that a sweet young lady named Holly said, honey, we gotta find more of God. And a man began searching for God and a man began searching for truth and a lady began searching for truth and they couldn't find it and they said there's more and then there's, they're in the same town where great grandpa said we're going to have a church in this community. They're in the same town. Don't, don't tell me that's an accident. Now, does God love somebody that just as much that don't have a great grand? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But I'm standing before you on this Sunday night saying there are some roots in this community. There are some roots in this region. There are some roots all across Louisiana. And I'm believing, and I'm going to stand in it, and I'm going to preach it, and I'm going to pray it, and I'm going to believe it, that God's angels are God's spirit. I'm relying. I'm believing in the name of Jesus that over some of your kids, let, let me just be real for a moment. Amen. My oldest isn't serving the Lord right now, but I know what's in her root system. Amen. And I know I've got a God. Amen. It may look like it's just a stump left on the walk with God. It may look like there's not a whole lot going on, but I'm going to, if God can find a grandkid, amen, three generations removed, God can go to our kids. He can go to our grandkids. He can go to backsliders. Daniel said to that king, it's not going to look like much. If you stay proud, and he did, said God's going to cut the whole tree down. But as long as there's some roots and a stump in seven years, God's going to come back by and revive. Don't tell me that right there is an accident. Don't tell me that's an accident. I believe God was looking up from the heavens, looking down from the heavens, and he said, ah, there's something in that soil. There's a prayer cloth under that mattress. They don't have a clue. But their granddaddy, great, great granddaddy, laid in a bed for four years before he died. Don't tell me he wasn't calling his kids and future generations name for the Lord. I told you I'm preaching a revival in Oil City. I don't know what all's unfolding. I just know some cool stuff's happening. I'm almost done. General Conference, I hadn't, I only, I'm 58 years old. I've been in Louisiana all my life. All I ever preached in Oil City it was a youth rally one Friday night 20 years ago. General Conference, I see the pastor from Oil City, him and his wife, out on the sidewalk. He said, I've been wanting you to come preach. He said, why don't you come one Sunday in December and 
He said, maybe later we'll connect and do some more services. I said, sounds great. So I was going in December. That was it, general conference in September. About a month later, somewhere in October, I had to go look back exactly when. I went to a prayer meeting at Pihoy. They have prayer meetings, different groups, one on Thursday night, one on Friday night. Well, I, just, I can hit those prayer meetings, man. I love it. Just hop in. And I went. Well, if I remember, I think it was the same night. I got prophesied over, prayed over. I'm like, I, I, I take it, Jesus. I only had like a five-minute ride home. But I hook my phone up through Bluetooth to my car, and I have a couple preaching apps where they're playing sermons. And if you turn it on, you don't pick what sermon the app is playing. I have two or three of those. They're just playing, you know, they're just going through their list. Well, I was just on my little short drive home. But that message was good, so I drove halfway to Leesville. <laughs> the preacher was a lady minister named Sister Bobby Wendell. She's 91 now. Sister Bobby Wendell, in this message, started talking about how she got in church. <laughs> she got in church, it's 65 years ago from right now. I, can't, I think it was 59 or whatever. I, I have it, but I don't have it right in front of me. However, it was, it was 65 years ago when her and her husband got in church in Oil City. And I'm listening to this message. And she keeps saying, it's 10.15 at night. I've told my kids, get ready for bed. I'm listening to a good message. I'll be home in a little while. I'm riding halfway to Leesville, and I'm here in Oil City. That little church in Oil City was praying. If we were going to go to church, we would have went to the big church downtown, but our car was broken down. And on a Saturday night, my husband was so desperate. He, he During that night, he said, God, we're lost. We're lost. We're lost. And, and, and she said, I woke up the next morning, looked out, and there was a little group of people going to a little bitty church. And I told my husband, well, if we're lost, we're going to church. We can't drive to town, so let's walk to that little church, the little Pentecostal church. And she keeps talking about Oil City where they had that little group of people praying and we walked in. She said where we were living was so little I couldn't even keep all my kids at home. She said we were broke. We, life was busted down. Things were going wrong. She said two of my kids live with my mom and two live with us. I took the two that live with us and we marched over to that little church and we sat on the back row. And that was 65 years ago. She's telling all this on a message that I'm listening to driving around after a prayer meeting and it's 1020 at night and I looked down at my phone and it says Kent Rhodes who's the pastor in Oil City at 1020 at night he said I just had to call you pastor from Oil City calling me while I'm hearing the name Oil City over my radio when I was going to already be home and he said I just can't get it off my brain can you come January 14 21 and 28 I just feel like we're supposed to have a revival I didn't tell him uh, uh, what was going on but I said absolutely I will be there I know it's God's will because I was hearing the name of that city being said while I'm driving down the road and I go the last three Sundays and God's breaking some stuff through. And he's like, let's just go the whole month of the rest of February. And who knows what all God's going to do. The first Sunday there, that sweet 91-year-old Sister Bobby Wendell, if you don't know who she is, that lady that, that the preacher come to the back row of that church 
and said, sis, why don't you just come on up front and pray? And she stepped out, and her and her husband got the Holy Ghost and got converted and got called to the missions field and were pioneer missionaries to the nation of Ethiopia, which later became one of the great missionary revival centers in all of Africa. Powerful stuff. Wonderful, powerful lady. I've been getting to visit with her and talk to her. She was at that revival service. And at the end of the preaching, end of the altar service, she began to speak and say, 65 years ago, on a Saturday night, don't tell me that God, God, God will not pass over root systems. And I don't know, I'm standing before you telling you, I don't know what's going on, all that's going on in this revival. I'm just telling you, that's pretty cool stuff. I've never had it in all my years driving down the road here in the name of, of a city over and over and over. And then that pastor call and say, you got to come. I'm like, that's, yeah, uh-huh. You think I'm going to go be somewhere else? <laughs> no. And she started testifying at the end of that service. She said, 65 years ago, right in this community, she told that little story. She said, we were so broke. Our car was broke down. We walked to church with our two kids. He was sick. We were, we were just down on life. We didn't have hope. We, we didn't know what was going on. And we walked in, and God dealt with us, and we prayed through. She said, what we found out was the night before, that church was desperate for revival. They couldn't get a breakthrough. They couldn't get things to happen. They couldn't get, they couldn't get new people to come. They were just up against a wall. And on that Saturday night, that man of God at a prayer meeting, at a church service or a prayer meeting, whatever it was, said, God, I'm asking you to send the angels out of these doors and go find the people in this community closest to eternity. I'd never heard it worded like that. She said they prayed, God, send the angels out and tell them, find somebody that's closest to eternity and bring them to this church. And all night long, her husband cried and said, we're lost without God. And she wakes up and says, we're going to church. Amen. And over the next year or two, that city, 65 years ago, had a great revival where over 100 people came to truth. And I'm getting to preach there. And God spoke to me. Oh, yes. Let's give God a hand clap of praise. And God spoke to me. He said, I'm about to do a new thing in an old place. Somebody hear this preacher. I'm not just sermonizing here tonight. I'm unburdening my soul. I've tried to do it quick. If I've been going 45 minutes, forgive me. Hey, man, I've tried to do it quick. But God spoke. I'm about to do a new thing in an old place. What does that mean? It's going to look new, but there's some roots under there somewhere. I'm not getting to preach at a revival right now. That's just happening right now. I'm, I'm getting to preach where 60 five years ago, a hundred people got the Holy Ghost. Don't tell me there ain't grandkids out there. Don't tell me there's not families out there somewhere. I believe the angels of the Lord are looking for those old root systems to bring some people back home. Uh, I called that that sweet lady, 91 years old, I called her on the way driving here tonight. She said, where are you preaching at? I said, Wallace Ridge. She said, where's that at? Mississippi. I said, oh no! <laughs> You, you, your Holy Ghost is off on that one. They wonderful Louisiana folks. I said, right by Jonesville. She said, oh, I've heard stories through the years. I don't know what she heard. She said, there's some old Pentecostal stuff happened around there through the years. There, you can't tell me in a, a church this size. 
with this many Holy Ghost people, strong, I know some of you, strong, godly, apostolic. You can't tell me there's some, some, some loved ones out there and some family members and, and, and some people. And I, I just decided, I don't know if you want to call it crazy enough, I ain't never done this in my life, but I felt like doing it tonight. If they could say God send angels out and find those closest to eternity. I'm going to go open this back door because angels never die. You hear me? Angels don't die. Angels don't die. Amen. The same angel that found Cornelius, he's still alive somewhere and he knows how to, oh come on. Amen. The same angel that went and found Bobby, amen, Bobby Wendell and her husband, that same angel is still alive right now. So I just felt it all week long. I'm going to open this back door and I'm going to say God God, send out some angels. Go find some root systems. Go find somebody. Go through this community. Find somebody. They may not even know their grandma got the Holy Ghost. They may not even know their grandpa used to walk in truth. They may not even know the apostolic revival that's in their root system. But I speak it. I speak it in the name of the Lord. Angels go to the north. Angels go to the south. Angels go to the east. Angels go to the west. Find some old root systems. Let's have some revival. Let's have some restoration. Let's have some old time. Jesus' name. Holy Ghost revival. Bring them home. Stir them. Bring them home. Would you lift your hands with me in this house right now? Would you just pray it with me? God, let some angels go to the north. Let the name of Jesus go to the... If, if God can find a future missionary that help bring revival to the nation of Ethiopia in a little small community 65 years ago, what can God find within 30 or 40 miles of Wallace Ridge? God, let, let an angel, let an anointing, let the name of Jesus go to every backslide. But you listen here. Nathan and Holly wasn't backsliders. They were just a couple generations moving. The family didn't even tell them. But that was in their root system. I don't know what, I don't know what God's going to do with the prayers y'all just prayed and we just prayed. But I won't be surprised. Could you take your neighbor's hand and lift it to the heavens? God, if a little church in Oil City 65 years ago could say, God, you go find the ones closest to eternity. Let your messenger go to them. Then, God, I'm asking you to go to our kids. I'm asking you to go somebody in this room's grandkids. There may be a heathen right down the road from here had no idea who great-great-grandpa was, but God's going to let his angels swoop over and find those root systems. I'm believing for revival in Wallace Ridge. This is an oasis church. This is a Jesus-named Holy Ghost church. I'm believing for apostolic revival to go forth. Let's take that hand you're holding and lift it to the heavens. Let's just worship the name of Jesus for a moment more right now. There's some DNA out there, Jesus. 
some root systems out there, Jesus. Speak it in Jesus' name. 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 Revival. Spring up from any root systems in this whole region. I know this is a little different. I'm not apologizing for it at all. We already had church. Everybody in the building just about prayed through. Not trying to pray you through. I'm delivering the word that the Lord put on me. How far, how far do y'all come from? I want we about to pray a circle around this about this around this. This church is an oasis church. I don't say that all the time. Some churches are churches for them, but some churches are oasis churches, which means an oasis people get refreshing from miles around. They come. They they help feed. They help bless. Y'all, y'all Holy Ghost anointed. Amen. So how far do y'all come from? Does anybody come from fifty miles, forty miles? I mean, I know all y'all don't live within a half mile. I drove here tonight. How far? 40 inside. 40 inside? So a 40-mile circle. What you raising your hand for? 50 back there. So a 40 or a 50-mile circle around this building tonight. You say, well, Brother Greg, I know my kids and my grandkids. We, all, we know those. Right? But I wonder... Could you put that picture of Nathan and Holly back on that screen again? Oh, that just moved me so much. I'm not trying to preach it again. I just want you to look at that face. Look at that precious smile she has. I told him, I said, bro, I'm going to put your picture up there. I said, but you're just so ugly. I messed with him. He just died laughing. Assistant pastors, they go preach every chance they can. Love the kingdom of God. Hey, love running around at campgrounds on a golf cart just as much as me who's been there since my first year. That's their roots. That's their... I wonder if there's any Nathan and Hollies within a 40-mile circle. I wonder. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm done. I'll be done in just a minute. I know it's different. But I've, I've never felt it or no, I'm okay. I'm okay with us leaving in just a minute, whatever happens. Like I said, y'all prayed through on the front end, so that's fine. But would you join me for the next minute, and let's just pray it one more time. God, go out those doors and make a 40 or 50-mile sweep. I won't be surprised what unfolds in the next two or three months in this region. This church is a pillar of apostolic truth for this region. It's an oasis. It's a place where others could come and get fed. God, let it unfold. Let it happen. Maybe there's a future Nathan and Holly living within a 40 miles range of this church that God's going to stir them up and they'll have a prayer cloth underneath them. They may not even know what's in their root system, but let it happen, Jesus. Let it happen, Jesus. Let it happen, Jesus. Now, could you lift both your hands to the heavens? Let's just praise him one more moment.